to the second episode of She Became What. I'm honestly overwhelmed at the amount of downloads we had on the first episode with Nicola. Um, I really hope that there was some good insight and lessons learned that you all got to take away from it. Uh, I also wanted to just give a little thanks to our sponsor for the season, IDPP, who have made the podcast become a reality for me and enabled me to take my idea and run with it um, outside of work and in work. So um, if you are looking for a new project professional services partner, I would definitely recommend them. And not just because I work there, I honestly do mean that. Um, They're a bunch of great guys. Um, And that brings me on to our second guest. it's none other than Reagan Rourke. She's head of commercial and procurement currently, and I can't wait for you to get to know her a little bit more. There's a bit of background as to where you've been working, what you know, what what have you been up to the past? Yep. So years. I started at Boohoo Group um, in 2014 on a temporary contract. Um, so it wasn't my lifelong ambition to go into procurement. However, I did fall into it. I was at Boohoo for close to nine years um, and started from the bottom as a procurement assistant and then left um, running the procurement function for, for Boohoo until I decided to make a change. And yeah, four months ago, started at JD Sports. Fabulous. So ha- how many... Um, different roles then did you have within procurement when you were working at Boohoo would you say? Never counted um, <laughs> I think what four or five um, yeah. so five different jumps to yeah get into so five different promotions so hopefully I was doing something right um, and obviously then to get to the head of role so I think to go to each level you get to see um, the different stages of people that then I'm employing um, and what I expect from them yeah so it's been a good eye-opener perfect and obviously you said there that um you fell you fell into procurement it wasn't necessarily something that you thought you were going to do was going to be your dream role and what did you study? did you go to university is that something that you did yes I did I went to university and studied law um I actually wanted to be a divorce lawyer how morbid Um, (laughs) any particular reason you wanted to be a divorce lawyer um yeah paul mccartney and heather mills's divorce case was very interesting um probably only to me um (laughs) but yeah she did try and claim uh some of his profits due to the fact that she told him to to wear a nail clip um but yeah anyway i digress but i went to university did law um, multiple different modules during that time i learned a lot but when i actually left kind of the recession hit it's around 2013 and training contracts were rare and, and few and far between put yourself through um, and become a qualified solicitor unless you had a training contract paid for it was around twelve thousand pounds to put yourself through that uh, at which point i decided to have a think about what i wanted to do um, and went traveling uh, safe to say when i did come back i did not go into that profession yeah Fabulous. That's really good insight as to um, sometimes how you think you'll go in one direction, but the skills that you'll pick up at university can definitely take you into another one. Um, and how was university for you? Was um, that something you enjoyed? Would you recommend the experience of going to university? 
I won't just say no. Um, university for me, I think, was very difficult because it wasn't something that I planned to do. Um, yep. I can be quite impulsive at times. So, um, yeah, that wasn't my ambition to do it. I think on results day, I decided to go. And at the time, uh, I'm born in August, I was the youngest um, probably person in that year. Uh, hence, I kind of got fast tracked through um, as I hadn't planned it through in terms of halls of residence. Um, but yeah, probably part of the problem of why I didn't enjoy it is because I didn't do enough research on actually the location of yep. universities. But then also I didn't know myself well enough. So um, I love nothing more than seeing my nana. Anyone uh, <laughs> that knows me knows that my nana is my best friend. Um, I'd have preferred to have stayed closer to home. Yeah, I don't necessarily regret the university experience, but um, knowing who I am as a person, I, I didn't match based on the university kind of <laughs> rating system as opposed to actually what would have suited me. And had I have done that, I probably would have gone to somewhere closer, such as Manchester or Liverpool. Um, but yeah, um, I think you just need to make sure you do the research into the role that you want to do. Um, whether it be, you know, in the future, make sure that that job is parallel to that. And equally, if you're unsure and you don't know what you want to do, but you think you need to go to university, the biggest advice that I would ever offer is actually probably taking a year out could be key to just trying to understand what you do want to do. So I think there's a lot of pros to take away from university, but I think you have to make sure it's the right decision for you before you make it, especially with uh, how much it costs. Yeah, certainly how much it costs these days to go to university. It's a lot of money. I suppose that's, you know, a really good bit of advice. I think a lot of people can go to university and, you know, you just pick a degree and think, right, that's the degree, you know, I'll go for, I'll go and study it, but not necessarily realise what actually job you want to do at the end. You know, certainly from my experience, I would recommend researching different jobs if you're not sure what you want to go and do try and go and get some job experience you know in the different sectors different fields see what it's really like to do that role and what that entails and then once you've found you know that particular role that you maybe do enjoy you want to find out more about then try and find out what course would be best for you to do at university to then go into that um definitely a good bit of advice there Regan um, so I suppose for you, you enjoyed, I suppose, the course and, and what that gave you and your degree, but it was more around your actual experience and where you lived and things like that that maybe wasn't the right thing for you, would you say? Yeah, um, I mean, it depends on the module you asked me. I didn't enjoy EU law and I wouldn't have had to have done it now. Um, so that was great. Uh, but equally, you, you kind of got to pick them. So I did enjoy the course and I actually did enjoy Nottingham itself but unfortunately at that time I think I was still quite young as I mentioned earlier yeah. um, being the youngest in my year so I did uh, go home a lot and I think sometimes if you are living away from home the strain of feeling slightly isolated can take its toll as opposed to you concentrating on your studies because you know that will affect it so had I picked a university closer to home I think I would have been more focused yeah especially in the first and second year on delivering the output um as opposed to driving home every weekend <laughs> <laughs> and would obviously to get into your field into the position that you are in now today do you feel that 
when you're looking for people in your team, would you only look for graduates? Is that something that you feel that somebody needs to have to get into this position? Is it beneficial? Would you recommend going to university for someone trying to get into procurement? Uh, I don't think you have to have a degree to go into procurement, absolutely not. Um, there is a qualification called the Chartered Institute of Purchasing and Supply, which you can start um, whether you have a degree or not. And I think that is if you want to go into procurement, something that you can do. Uh, if you do have a university degree, then you kind of skip a few modules due to the fact that you do have a degree. Um, but equally in saying that procurement is really split, you can go into public sector or private sector. And I think those two methods of procurement, or, or should I say, uh, industries are very, very different. And so um, public sector procurement, I think, you know, SIPs are probably, I'd assume, mandatory, um, mm -hmm. along with potentially qualifications in certain areas. Um, whereas private sector procurement, I think it, it goes on skill as well and your ability to learn um, but have the right attitude because uh, you know it always comes back to my point is that you can train people's skill set but you can't train somebody's attitude and if somebody has the right attitude walking through that door that is the best thing that I'm looking for when I interview somebody as opposed to somebody who has a degree but not necessarily the right attitude for the role. Yeah I suppose that you know leads on to you know, what are the top skills you think someone would need to be successful in your field or role? I think first and foremost, you need to be confident. Yeah. Um, the reason being is whether you're talking to your stakeholders internally, um, a lot of the time you might need to build a relationship with them. Uh, and it's crucial because sometimes procurement in certain industries can be seen as blockers or can delay the process or we're there to add just unnecessary involvement in certain areas. So it's really showing the delivery, you can do that and reaching out. You know, I always say, if some, if I ask, say, a colleague or somebody in my team where they're up to with something and the response is, well, I've sent them an email and waiting for the reply, you should never be waiting for a reply. If we're in the office, obviously COVID would change those things, but you should be getting up and going to speak to that individual face-to-face -face because you're then creating that relationship for them to come to you more freely. Equally, if you're not confident with the supplier, then they will not give you the best terms and conditions or the commercials around that because if you've not got the conviction to... Have those tough conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then, then why are they going to offer you the best if they know they can get away with offering you uh, <laughs> the worst? Um, any person in my team will know I love um, my little saying, so... The first price is the worst price is uh, what a startup and that comes back to confidence in negotiation as well yeah it's not for everybody i think some people um the old well somebody i used to work with i won't mention him by name um said that he admired what i did because it made him cringe um, <laughs> and i think he said but i really respect you so it was a compliment uh somewhere in there but yeah. um it goes back to the point of having those tough conversations with suppliers because that relationship should really be formed with the internal stakeholder and the supplier um, but you don't want that relationship being soured by a commercial negotiation which in some instances it can be so for me to play bad cop is 
great, but to do that, I need the confidence and conviction in what I'm saying and delivering. Um, otherwise, you won't. So if you're not confident, and it goes back to my point previously on having the right uh, attitude, then I don't think it's the career for you. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so I've got an interesting question because I'm on the other side of the table when it comes to, you know, you? yes, <laughs> you know that I am. So um, I would be a supplier per se. Um, is there any advice or tips? You know, I'm sure some people would, you know, die to get fi a five minute conversation with you to pitch themselves or pitch their business. Is there any advice that you could give to any suppliers that, um, you know, we're trying to not necessarily get in contact with you, but get in contact with a procurement professional um, that you could give to them for making the first right not impression? Not send um, a mass email out or copy and paste your emails and then address it to the wrong individual <laughs> because you've been sat there all day. Um, the amount of times I'm called the wrong name any, anyway, so to, I actually got an email the other day saying, hi, Chris, uh, and straight away <laughs> I thought, I'm never going to work with you. Yeah. Um, but a joke and it's that attention to detail I think the amount of times I've received emails that are automated and keep getting then chases um, or six emails in a row is just gonna annoy me yeah. um, I don't need that many emails in my inbox equally I quite like the approach of LinkedIn as long as it's not too persistent um, however obviously you do get quite a few emails but I think it's actually doing the research of the business and making you your address bespoke so you can actually see that it's not just a complete cold call with somebody trying to hit their bonus target for bringing in new customers and yeah. they're just spamming everybody to try and get a new account yes yeah. and it's actually that homework there's enough websites these days that sell my email address or actually personal number um yeah. Never call. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's doing the research and having that actual element where you can tell that they really want the business as opposed to the money and the bonus. And I think that's the difference between a transaction and a relationship. Yeah, becoming a true partner is really, you know, fully ensuring that you stand out, you're personable when you're trying to get hold of someone, you actually do your research about them, you know, new business is part of my role and something I always try to do is every every message I will send will be a personal message I'll look on the LinkedIn profile see where they've gone to university do I know anyone that they're connected with I think it's just separate there's so many people that will offer the same service as you so at the end of the day they're going to buy off you know you as a person more over than even your company sometimes so it's setting us off I suppose apart. it goes back as well to that point of people finishing university or you know education and wondering how they make their cv stand out and you know if it's just that generic email that everybody receives or that standard cv um, yeah i'm more than likely probably going to just press delete um yeah. or send you a automated email saying thank you yeah. um but if it's actually bespoke with some research in there i'm more than likely i'll take the time to actually read that um because i know that the time and effort has gone into it so yeah it, it goes back to that point is doing the research on something that you want to either work in or work for yeah i think there's a big difference as well isn't there between you know hounding someone and sending them six emails without a reply and trying to build a relationship with someone if you send a personal email you get a reply back you don't need to 
email immediately you know the next week you know leave it a reasonable amount of time but time enough so that the you know you would know that they're still interested as well in, in that yeah i think it's just yeah don't bombard don't call yeah don't when pay you don't websites know. to get people's data yeah it's a really interesting point that you know around gdpr and and data how you know oh i know I've, I've told these companies yeah. <laughs> take I'm my email off my phone number have you got I it i mean as well you can't you don't search reagan rock and find multiple people there is just me so yeah um You've yeah. got a unique name, don't you? It's it's annoying that really, you know, how, how they can get away with really sell it, selling your data. I mean, I'm saying it's annoying, but, you know, from a sales perspective, I can see the benefit of it as well. So I know I, I was expecting a call once. Um, I answered it and it was actually somebody trying to get business. I said, I'm, I'm sorry to stop you, but how on earth have you got my personal number? Yeah, it did make me laugh because he turned it round and saying, "God, you're never going to work with me, then, are you?" <laughs> so I, I liked his approach. That's good, but that doesn't mean do it. <laughs> okay. Um. So just to, for the audience to get to know you a little bit better, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of random questions that are probably non-work related. I know some funny stories that I could share, but I certainly won't on this platform. Um. So, um. First one, which phone app can you not live without? What app on your phone? Um, I would probably say I am an avid user of Instagram. Yes. Fab. Okay. I can live without it, though. Okay. It's the app I use the most. Yeah. You're very skilled on Instagram, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest fact that you know? I know a lot of facts. Yeah, you're very good at facts. <laughs> Did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why Reagan has a... I am obsessed with blue whales. Um, I'm not weird, I promise. I think when I was younger, my nana took me to the Blue Planet Aquarium and I found a book on blue whales. Ever since then, it has stayed in my mind. Yeah. Um, and if somebody ever mentions a blue whale i can relay a number of facts that make me look exceptionally strange <laughs> so what's you what's the best fact then about a blue whale humans could swim through the veins females are really males, yeah a tongue can weigh as much as an elephant <laughs> <laughs> could you not Oh, go and Google them. Yeah. So anybody who's trying to spec into Reagan Rock, I would suggest <laughs> mentioning a blue whale and she may answer you back. <laughs> Who knows? Does anyone Reagan Rock literally? Yeah, I know. Um, what do you think about man manifestation? Have you ever tried it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Boring question. I'll skip that bit out of the podcast. <laughs> Right, let me have a look at another question. <laughs> um, what is the best book that you've ever read? The Dictionary. <laughs> oh, that is a really good answer. Well done. Well done, Reagan. Um, and I suppose for a slightly more serious question, um, what has had the most profound impact on your life and why? Personal or work-related? Both. Hmm. One of the biggest things I think I struggled with is, I mentioned earlier, 
that I was the youngest in my year, but I was also 10 weeks premature. And I also always really struggled, especially in primary school. I, I felt like my brain just wasn't switched on. Um, I've always been called a daydreamer. Whilst I can be quite confident, I'm actually quite shy, um, which can come across as me being rude. Um, but with that, it always pushed me to excel further because you know I was used to coming bottom of the class or not having the skill set I wanted and I didn't like that so that gave me the drive to not want to be in the bottom sets and strive to be better um in where we live there's a thing called the 11 plus and my sister <laughs> passed that uh, they introduced maths in the year that I um it and unfortunately I did not pass and we did not go to the same secondary school uh, on the back of that I kind of just tried extra hard um, to prove a point so I got into the grammar school for sixth form uh, I did actually do that and then decided I didn't like it but at least I achieved it so on the back of that that has had the biggest effect on me being premature and knowing what it feels like not to succeed because that's then pushed me forward to never want to have that feeling again yeah that's a really really you know honest and you know very good answer I mean but I do remember Reagan was so small when she was younger and my mum will say I used to drag around like a doll I'd be like no you can't go near the water you can't do anything you can't do this you have to stay inside like a giant baby. yeah so she was you know but my little baby for a long time. Unfortunately, now she's not. Um, I'm probably not going to put that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my little baby. <laughs> right. Um, uh, right. So for the next question, how do you hope people feel when they're around you? Happy. I'm been told that I'm a people pleaser. Um, I think that's probably true. I try and whether it's people in my team, my friends, um, always make them feel happy. I think it's also important, you know, to make friendships. And sometimes people will wonder why they might struggle either with other people or making friends and, and how to do that. But I think the, the key is always you um should speak to somebody but listen and be interested in what they have to say as opposed to just listening to respond um and the biggest thing that i always do is listen to somebody and understand that person because that way i can better be uh, their friend and their boss um, so i think listening's key what a great answer reagan so we'll move on now to some more I suppose typical gender related questions so questions you know that you can get asked being a, a successful woman in business which you are so um I asked this on I asked a few of these questions on last week's episode so I think it'd be interesting to see you know each person that comes on what their answers are and how how they deal with everything so how do you handle your work-life balance um to be honest, I, I kind of put work first. Um, and I suppose, you know, I pay a mortgage um, on my own, which <laughs> requires me to put that first. But what I will do is schedule my week. So if, for instance, I know 
I have plans on, say, a Wednesday evening, so ideally I'd like to finish work um, at a reasonable time. I'd be more than happy then to work late on the days where I know I don't have plans or yeah. pick up that laptop. Um, so it's then making time because, you know, some weeks will always be busier than others, but I think you've got to be prepared to put time in. Um, but then you've also got to be prepared to put the time in with your friends. Um, yeah, and your family. So it's just that balance and, you know, you could have a week where you, you see your friends more than you, you have other weeks, but it, it's all just, I would say, day by day, week by week, try not to overthink things. Perfect. Um, and do you feel that you have ever been, being a woman, do you feel like you've ever been discriminated against? Yes. Um, at my previous business, the... CIA was a woman um, and she really was somebody that I looked up to because, you know, women, women, women of that um, kind of level are, are rare. Um, you see it more and more these days. But if you were actually to look at a business and their split of male and female employees, especially by senior levels. Not on the board, um, people on the board, I suppose. Or yeah, no, board, yeah. you know. There's massive discrepancies there um, that isn't fair. Um, but equally, you do see that, you know, sometimes it can be more male dominated at the top. Um, and, I, and I do think, you know, in certain business especially, um, that is changing. But also as well around, you know, things such as maternity leave, you know, whether it's the budget that you're looking at. But, you know, a lot of places are just statutory. Um, and as a woman, you know, how do you, have it all to go back to your previous question very very difficult because you know if you want to have children um you then have to worry about you know will you lose your role will that will you be replaced will you be coming back to the same role um will that put off you getting the promotion um at certain times and equally it's actually can i afford to have a child so um i think there's a lot of um questions and worries that women especially um, have to carry yeah you know it's certainly do you think then um there would be women out there that you know have to think about getting pregnant it genuinely has to be you know a conversation you have to have whether you can afford to get pregnant you only have to look at the news or listen to the news probably earlier today to see the rate of inflation the cost of you know interest rates mortgages you name it and I think everybody's worried and wondering how the going to afford that let alone you know if you were thinking about having children how are you going to afford that um on top of actually what benefits does your business um pay but also i say benefits in terms of maternity pay because i kind of see it as a human right as opposed to a benefit um, yeah. yeah because let's be honest there's not going to be the directors of 20 30 years time um without without children us. being but yeah without children being born so yeah um i just think it's it's difficult it's very complex you know subject to talk about isn't it in question and and you know there's no right or wrong answer to it it's just striving you know to um try and close those gender gaps that we have and you know make those decisions for people easier you know getting pregnant or starting a family shouldn't really be something that you have to consider you know you shouldn't have to choose between your career and a family you should be able to have it all um 
you know and there is the argument that men can have it all so why can't we so you know it's definitely a really interesting question and conversation to have um, and do you believe that gender emotions can influence your career no um i don't think gender emotions i mean people are have different emotions whether you're a male or a female um it also comes back to you know what's going on in your personal life it depends um how people sometimes react or slightly shorter fused and it, that actually goes back to my point before and if you don't listen to people that have that relationship or you know you could take things to heart whereas actually I always try and take the path of you know if I disagree with something um take a minute to think about that is there a reason why and sometimes as opposed to um going on the defensive um it's trying to understand the other person's um well rationale point view, why yeah. point of view you know what has caused that um and trying to work um and, and fix that as opposed to then feeding i guess into kind of negative situations and if you want to pick up with that person you know let's have a phone call as opposed to send 10 emails where you don't make any um headroom on on the point so I, I always say it goes back to my point picking up the phone listening to people um and understanding the problem yeah great and how can we stop a gender bias do you think you know is there anything businesses can do to try and stop that i think it goes back to the culture of the business because i think some businesses you know are it's not even an issue like leaps um, and bounds ahead of others yeah yeah and in different kind of sectors as well i'm sure it's very different um but equally i think with anything it comes from the top down of the business so it comes from the ceo it comes from you know the, the cfo and that culture is bred so for me if somebody <laughs> joins an organization you can try and bring about change but i think that change can only really be brought about unless the business is and as, yeah driving that forward so it's really having those people at the top that genuinely believe you know in that equality you know not just across you know gender it's equality across all all groups all you know sectors you know there needs to be that equality across the board and it's so we'll move away from those questions now thanks for being so open and honest you know when speaking about those they definitely can be some difficult questions to answer and um, so we'll just finish off by having some more career related questions um and one of the questions i wanted to ask you what do you think the best way to negotiate um a salary and scope of work when joining a new business or somebody you know, say joining your team what have you seen has been the best way that somebody's negotiated their salary i think it goes back to the point on if you are truly ready to leave a business um and, uh, you know, some, my old boss actually used to say, don't walk the plank unless you're ready to jump. Yeah. And that wasn't aimed at me, <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. But um, I think the point in that is that sometimes people, their heart is with the business. They don't want to leave, but they want a pay increase. And they don't feel like they have any other options but to say, I've been offered X job some, somewhere else for more money. And you've really got to understand that if they said no, we're not matching you and you've kind of done that, well, one, 
where does that leave you with that business if you didn't actually want to leave? So I think it's making sure that you're aware of your parameters and where you want to be. But it also goes back to valuing yourself because I always say if you don't value yourself, then how can you expect other people to? So if you think you're being underpaid in the role that you're doing, um, go and look for another role and have that confidence and, and conviction in yourself to, to go and leave um, if that's what you feel like you need to do. Um, but equally, if you're starting a new job, again, believe in yourself. So if they really want you and, and you want more money, then you need to say exactly what you want. Um, but also make sure that you're not applying for roles without understanding what that banding is before. Yeah. Um, because there's always bandings. Uh, it's not one stop shop. Oh, this is the salary. So probably a question to ask is rather than framing it what is the salary yeah what is the banding yeah um and then probably add an extra five grand of what you want <laughs> <laughs> if you don't ask you don't get do you you have to you have to ask to have the opportunity to get it um and to give some recruitment secrets away and um, you know when we speak to a candidate you know we will always get their top top absolutely exactly what they want um figure from them so say if a candidate would say you know we're i'm happy between 28 and 25 you know we would know really that 25 you would accept a role at but really you want 28 so we're always going to send you over you know to a company at that higher rate and then that's our role to negotiate that for you to try and get you that top one so you know, if you're really genuinely not comfortable with having the 25, don't mention it. Just say the 28. You don't need to say, oh, I'm happy between 25 and 28 because you can technically just knock yourself down a few grand. So if you go forward and say, I'd be looking for 25 to 30, yeah. most places are then going to offer you 25. Yeah. So you should be saying, I want 30 and asking what the banding is. Yeah. Um, because if you give them the opportunity to pay you less, Maybe. why would they pay you more? Yeah, exactly. Um, perfect. So um, another question I have for you, and this is something that I've definitely felt before. Um, have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you get through it? Um, yeah, but I think it comes back to um, just sometimes wondering how on earth did I get here? Um, I thought I was going to be a divorce lawyer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you always think that everybody knows everything um, until you actually, I think I got to a point where I realised that nobody knows everything and, you know, everybody's learning as they go. And that's why people get promoted because they do learn as they go. So you're all learning together. Um, and I think it just goes back to that point that, if you're not happy or you want to learn something or you don't feel like you fit in, then think to yourself why and think about how you can improve um, on anything that you feel a bit maybe insecure about. Because um, I think sometimes if you let your thoughts run away with you, um, then you probably will feel a bit out of place. And I mean, I've done that before. Um, but when I first started career, my career, my first boss asked me why I wasn't making eye contact with people, which <laughs> I now think about and makes me cringe. Um, I must just have been looking around the room. Um, but I obviously didn't feel comfortable in that environment. It was new to me. Um, and so 
I wouldn't make eye contact with people. But I think that goes back to the fact that then I don't look like I have the confidence, the ability, and I probably do look like an imposter. Whereas sometimes I can sit, you know, in calls and really know nothing about it. But if I'm not taking my eyes off somebody, they will never know. Yeah. So I think it goes back to that confidence piece. And, you know, you've just got to learn as you go and understand that you are learning and don't try and get too stressed about it and just make sure that you look at people. <laughs> yeah. And how, how have you built your confidence and resilience over the course of your career? Um, I think it just happens naturally. When you have to have um, conversations with different individuals in a business I mean I started as an assistant so you know I'd be trying to then learn the skills of how do I deal with different stakeholders how do I deal with roadblocks or you know people with different views to me and then the higher up the you know your career you go the more likely you know you to have conversations with directors and you know, your first couple of conversations, you'd be thinking, oh, my God, I'm nervous. Um, not that I did. Um, <laughs> but then it comes, you know, before you know it, that is something that you were striving for, you've achieved it. And then I kind of get, oh, my gosh, I've achieved that. But then it just comes part and parcel of my life. And then it's on to the next. And then what else do I achieve? So um, growth just happens naturally, I think. And sometimes it's only when you sit back and reflect and think, God, when I did start out, I didn't look people in the eyes and I was nervous um, to understand where you've come. But I also think it's important to ask your stakeholders um, for feedback on, you know, a process. How could I improve? Um, yeah. Because I think that is the best form of cr not criticism, but constructive criticism. Um, and then you can take that away. And I mean, if my boss, as silly as it sounds, didn't tell me or point out things that I could improve on, then would I be, you know, where I am today? So I think it's just having that thick skin to understand that you're going to make mistakes to learn from them. But just because you've made a mistake doesn't make it, you know, that you're an imposter or you're not worthy. It just means you're human. Yeah. I think those little tips that you get from your managers, you know, really do push you forward too when you get that feedback. I still remember um, my old job, you know, the first few customer meetings I was going on to, and I'm on the other side trying to pitch to you, um, was to slow down. You know, I speak very fast. <laughs> you know how fast I speak. I'm smiling. Yeah. If I get excited, I speak fast. If I'm nervous, I speak, <laughs> yeah, I speak fast and that. And, you know, one of the best bits of advice I was given was to just slow down. And now when I go into a meeting, I genuinely will have to be thinking the whole time to slow my voice down. I don't need to speak really fast. And that's something that's taken me years and years. And I still, you know, slip up and go into that mode of being excited and talk really fast when I'm passionate about something. So, you know, those make sure all those tiny little bits of advice that you do get off people around you, you do soak them up and try and apply them to your role because it will really help you down the line. Okay. Um, and what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self, now, Regan? Enjoy being 25. Um, time goes very, very quickly. And yeah. I think when you first start working, it's great. You have your salary. Um, you think that you are never tired and actually probably not um, 
but it's actually being in the moment and celebrating your success. Um, and you know, it has been said to me that have I ever congratulated myself on where you know you've gotten to, but then I'm always continuously striving for what's next. So I think that's pushed me forward to where I am today. But it's equally, you know, am I taking the time to celebrate those small things? Because if you're not celebrating the small things, then what are you celebrating? You know, if those all add up to the big things. So I think it's just taking the time, enjoying the each moment. day. Yeah, you don't need to go and be exactly where you want to be. You've got, the, you know, a lot of time and years ahead of you so don't try and put too much pressure on yourself and it goes back to that balance of personal and uh, work balance maybe not too much you know if you're gonna party hard make sure you work hard um yeah but everything in life comes back to balance and believe you me i um in bed most nights for half nine um <laughs> i love to sleep and my key kind of word or what my family hear me say most I'm is, so tired <laughs> I think I've heard Rekha say she's tired since she's three years old so and, you yeah. know what I can say now is that I am so tired <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this late of an evening as well so she genuinely really is tired um and what do you feel have been the secrets to your success? What what has really stood out that has made you get to where you are now? You know, you're in your very early 30s. You're in a very senior role within, you know, a huge organisation. That's something to be very proud of. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would, look, you know, really look up to you and wonder how they could get into that position that you have. What do you think has been the secret to your success? Um, I think I was fortunate to start a business at the right time. So I think some of it comes down to luck. Um, obviously, my first role was at Boohoo. Um, and I never intended to um, stay there as long as I did. I actually, I don't know whether I can say this, but I will. Um, I first kind of was introduced to the founder and did tell him that I was leaving soon, um, to which case he said, why? But I think I was in the, you know, the right place at the right time, but equally I had the right work ethic. Um, I did work hard and, you know, with what I just said is that I'm always pushing myself onto the next and there was never a no in my vocabulary. Um, so it was just always, what can I do next? How can I help you? Um, so then that really made a difference um, and making sure that you you know are prepared to work long hours and putting that effort in. But equally, I think it comes back to your personal skills as well. And, you know, are you going to just sit there and wait for someone to email you back or are you going to go and go get, get the answers? And yeah, yeah, it goes back to going to get it. So I'd go and talk to anybody. Um, I still do, even though it, kind of in social settings, I can be shy. Uh, in work settings, for some reason, um, I'm not. Got an alter ego in work. <laughs> Sasha Fierce. <laughs> I don't know what Regan's alter ego could be called. I'll have a little think about that. <laughs> I think you already have a name. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's making sure that you're building those relationships and not just thinking, well, why is it not happening? And expecting things to come to you because you've got to make them happen for yourself. 
Um, and, you know, hard work does go noticed. And sometimes, you know, you might want that promotion after being somewhere for 12 months. But, you know, I stayed in a role um, for a number of years at one point and thought, God, I could go somewhere, somewhere else. And somebody was telling me to. But in my heart of hearts, um, I, I was still at that business and I didn't want to leave. And so it goes back to doing what you feel is right for you. Don't listen to other people. At the end of the day, they don't live your life and your gut is what will carry you forward. And if you've got that drive and ambition with that company, you should stay at that company as long as you have that drive and ambition. Because, you know, if you're getting those promotions and you're showing your value, you will then get those. They do eventually happen. And I think I remember, um, you know, you... Don't think you got a promotion for a couple of years and it's something we spoke about and then the next thing I think you got two promotions within one year so you don't know how things are going to happen and when they're going to happen but sometimes you do just have to trust the process a little bit don't you yeah and what do you want to achieve next what do you you know say is I don't want to say on this um <laughs> what you know what's your next goals what are you aiming for ideally I think I'm happy where I am at the moment um obviously I've just started a new role so that's really exciting um obviously one day i would like to be director um but to be honest with you i've kind of managed um the full team um in my previous job so whether it's the title of director or head of i think you know i was delivering the same role it's just great to have that support that you need to sit around you to actually be able to deliver your strategy because it's all very well and good saying I want X, Y, and Z, but you need the you need the backing to be able yeah. to deliver what you want, don't so, you? Yeah, and also I'd like a holiday. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, I have been on quite a few this year, but you know, I'll never say never to a holiday. So <laughs> never say no. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so just to finish it up, thank you so much for your time. It's really appreciated. Um, what is the best piece of advice you can give to someone looking to move into your field or career path? It's my favourite saying. <laughs> if you believe, you will achieve. <laughs> I do say that all the time. Yeah, if you don't believe in yourself, again, why would you expect other people to? Um, and equally, you know, if you think, I don't think I'm going to get this or I'm not good enough, then is that going to show on your face and how you portray yourself or put that forward? So, you know, just think I'm amazing. And, you know, no one's going to tell you you're not because you're telling it to yourself. So go and strive and, and just really try and, and reach um, for what your goals are. Um, because put yourself the out the day, there and in, in, yeah. into uncomfortable positions because you're never going to build your confidence unless you do put yourself out there. Sometimes the biggest blocker is yourself. And I, I've been that to myself sometimes but make sure you stop and smell the roses perfect thanks for that last cheesy sign off i really appreciate it really appreciate it. <laughs> 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 on that note smell the roses introducing the dingle <laughs> goodbye as always and um, we will have another amazing guest in december if you have any questions you want to ask them then you can dm them to me um, on linkedin or you can drop a comment below i can't wait for you to all hear this one hope you've liked it 
Any thoughts and feedback are always welcomed. Till next time, goodbye.